Blog Talk Radio. Valiant effort they put up in the fourth quarter um, 
So New York held on, and 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 they'll go on to the next round to play Indiana. Um, and and we saw uh, Oklahoma City take care of business against Houston. Um, and they will go on in the next round and play against Memphis, who who beat the Clippers in six games. Um, um, a lot of a lot of drama, good storylines, um, and also as well, you can't forget about Golden State, um, who will go on to play San Antonio in the next round. Um, they beat Denver in six games as well. Um, of course, in, in tonight's game, the the, the sole game seven of the first round, uh, Brooklyn and Chicago, which we we've talked about on the show as as one of the more uh, dicey series in the whole playoffs, um, and it's come down to game seven tonight in Brooklyn. And we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, uh, I, you know, I want to get guys' thoughts on on you know the events from this week. Um, as I said, you know, the game sixes from last night. Um, I guess I'll go to uh, you know Lawrence. Give me your take on on you know uh, the seasons that ended early. But were there any surprises or any any uh, any shockers to you, I guess? Uh, well, you know, what surprised you the most from a team whose who season just ended? Yeah. Well, first off, I want to shout out everyone that's listening in right now. We we greatly appreciate anybody who, who gives us some time on a Saturday afternoon to, to hear what we got to say. But in terms of the game sixes last night, I mean, they were they were all series that that ended up being pretty good. I mean, we we kind of picked them, or I mean, some some of our picks were for these series to end a little bit sooner, somewhere to go to seven. But I mean, they they all ended up being very interesting series. I think I think the most interesting from yesterday was uh, the Knicks closing out the Celtics. I said that this was the marquee series of the first round. This is the one that. Everyone was kind of going to be paying attention to because I, I mean, I, I felt at least that the the Knicks and the Celtics were the two teams that are probably scariest for the Heat to face in the in the Eastern Conference Finals, and and we hoped the Knicks would be able to take care of business. It kind of got a little shaky. If if they would have lost last mm-hmm. night in Boston, Game Seven would have would have been something to see. But um, the, the Knicks took care of business. Um, I think that Carmelo in the next round. I think he had he had those great first what was it, two or three games where he averaged about thirty eight, and then he he didn't. I don't even think he had twenty last night. And I, I, I with that, I, I don't think that the the Knicks are going to be able to do a whole lot with Carmelo not being not putting up thirty points. Realistically, I mean it's, it's playoff time. It's it's not about getting I, I mean it is about getting everyone involved and, and there's guys that had great series. Ray Raymond Felton had a great series for New York. He he was key for them, as did Prigioni and, and, and a lot of their role players. Shumpert had a pretty good series. Uh but uh, but Melo has to be there. I think that the the Knicks depend a lot on J.R. Smith. And J.R. Smith Though he did play well, he played well the first three games of the series. He got into that trouble, had to miss a game, came back, started the game, started the game after his, his one game suspension, 0 for 10 from the field, didn't score a field goal until the until the end of the third quarter. Where he did hit two very big threes in that game five game for the Knicks, but at the same time, he he wasn't what he was he he wasn't doing what he was some what he's supposed to be doing or what we've known him to do, which means Melo has to do more. 
I, and I, I just think with this Pacers matchup in the next round, I mean, it, it's going to get real interesting for New York. This is That's been my team that I said if, if there was any team that I would like to see beat the Heat, it would definitely be the New York Knicks. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a New York Knicks fan by any means, but I do like the team that they have. I like what they put out on the floor. I like that they're a deep team and they have a lot of guys. They have They have veteran leadership. Jason Kidd and guys like Carmelo, Tyson Chandler, who's won a championship already. I mean, these are guys that that are certainly capable of doing great things. I'm just looking for them to to be a bit more of a cohesive unit as opposed to the the one-on-one offensive play that we've gotten from them down the stretch in the in this Boston series. I feel like at, at certain points toward the end they were kind of pulling for offense if it wasn't going through Mello and it was either J.R. Smith or Mello just going one-on-one with a defender. And it, it, it's going to be hard for them to be able to, to beat a very good Indiana team without Carmelo really, really being able to get into the flow of the offense and being able to move the ball around, you know, get a fluid offense going, get a system going in which Carmelo can flourish. He's not going to be able to flourish if you just give him the ball every time down the floor and clear it out and it's one-on-one. I mean, he's obviously going to score. But you want to see guys get into rhythm because that's that's where they're going to play the best. So that that was the most interesting, I would say, of the first round. Obviously, the Golden State-Denver series, Jay picked that one right. He was the only one of us that picked Golden State. But, uh, I mean, Golden State is a very good basketball team. We said that since day one. All of us agreed on that. And uh, Stephen Curry definitely came to play and, and is having a terrific playoff this thus far. And, and I, I look to see more of that from him. I think that they can definitely beat the Spurs in a series. I'm not saying that they will, but they definitely can. So that that will be very interesting. But, yeah, that, that Golden State-Denver matchup and that New York-Boston matchup were the ones that I was I was following probably the most. Um. Yeah, going back, and, you know, we're going to have to make our picks here in a minute. Um, going back to the New York and Boston uh, series there, you know, like I mentioned it before, you know, the, that fourth quarter last night, you know, Boston goes on that 19, 19 nothing run in the fourth run. quarter and exactly. ended up being a 24-2 to run. And, and you know, they only ended up losing by eight. You know, for the record, Carmelo did finish with, with 21 points last night, um, oh, okay. so he definitely had some some free throws late there. Um, but you know, again, and you know, Jay going on to the next round for New York, you know, they're going against an Indiana team that defensively is, you know, probably a bit more sound than Boston is. Probably, um, uh, you know, definitely more athletic um, top to bottom. I mean, you've got George Hill there, you've got Paul George, obviously, you've got Hibbert down there. Um, and David West, and, and, you know, they go to Lance Stevenson and other guys off the bench. So, you know, definitely a more formidable test for New York in the next round. Um, you know, what are your thoughts looking towards the next round for the for the New York, Indiana, and Golden State, uh, San Antonio, Jay? Um, I like – I still like the Knicks against Indiana. Um, my – I know Indiana can defend. Um, my issue with Indiana is I don't know if they can – and and Boston had trouble scoring at times against uh, against New York and, and and I don't think New York is a terrific defensive team, but they put so much pressure on on teams offensively, 
it it it, it makes it almost you know it makes it almost pivotal for teams to be able to to score in the 90s possibly over 100 um in order to beat the Knicks uh in uh for four games so um yeah. i'm i'm definitely looking forward to the series it, it's it's awesome to see the Indiana New York rivalry back in action in a in a in a yeah. semifinal Eastern Conference playoff matchup you know that'll be cool cuz you know as a as a, as a basketball fans you know those Indiana New York series from from back in the day where with Reggie Miller and, and and Patrick Ewing were were awesome and uh so yeah. it, I I love I love seeing you know older rivals go at each other in the new age um so that'll be interesting uh I I've I've shown my support for Golden State. Um, I I was called on Twitter a Steph, Steph Curry groupie because of some of my tweets about Steph Curry <laughs> because I, I I I I just love the way he plays. Um, but the thing about Golden State that I probably like the most is Mark Jackson. Um, I just think he's terrific. I I, I love their their young talent. Um, mixed with a couple veterans that have been really stepping up for them, you know, especially guys like Carl Landry who have stepped up since David Lee was hurt, but David Lee is back now, I think. So, um, you know, Golden State-San Antonio is going to be an interesting city because we have a, a kind of contrasting style. Um, the Spurs are more defensive, grinded out, um, beat you with smart basketball, and Golden State's a younger, more athletic team who want to get up and down and score a lot of points and, and make the games high possession game. And uh, Popovich and, and Mark Jackson, and Mark Jackson, even though he's a, is, is young in his, in his coaching career, um, he has playoff experience in, in these type of high pressure moments um, from his playing days. And uh, I just think that'll translate over. And I'm actually going to keep riding with the Golden State Warriors in the next round against the Spurs. Um, I, I and, and I think the key is going to be Steph Curry again in this series. Uh, can he be the best player on the floor uh, for four games in order for Golden State to win? And uh, it is, is, I guess, the main question here. And, and I think he can. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Golden State Warriors, um, being that my Lakers were were ousted uh, pretty easily um, by the Spurs in the first round. I'm gonna go with the Warriors, and uh, I like I like the Knicks still, um, even with a better facing a better defensive team in Indiana. I don't think Indiana has the firepower to really match the Knicks offensively, and they'll slow down the Knicks. But I don't. I don't see them slowing down the Knicks to the point where they'll be able to score enough in order to beat the Knicks four games. So uh, two definitely interesting matchups, um, and uh, I don't know how entertaining they'll be, um, just because of, of of the of the teams involved. But um, I, I, it'll be good basketball. It'll be hard, hard physical basketball. I think the most interesting thing about last night is Zach Randolph choking out Blake Griffin at the bottom of the dog <laughs> pile that happened last night. He really had him in it. Like, he was really choking him. 
and, and, and I don't know. Something about that is, is, is appealing to me. You know, play on basketball is physical. Absolutely. And, 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 it, and it, everybody gets ramped up. And and you either get you either step on somebody or you get stepped on, and that's and that and that's is uh, I, I think that's what happened in that LA Grizzlies series. I think the Grizzlies just turned up physically and really decided that they were going to start beating up the Clippers, and the Clippers didn't punch back at all. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more of that type of of, of just gritty, physical, hard nosed basketball in the next round, and uh. I think this Indiana uh, New York series is going to kind of embody that for sure. Um, so Jay, I know you're going with New York. Um, how many games? I'm going New York in six. Um, I'm going New York in six. I don't think it's not obviously it's not going to be easy. Indiana is a good, very actually a very good team, um, above average defensively. Uh, I would say. But um, I'm going to stick with Melo and, and, and Jr. And, and, you know, I think their bench is going to be huge in this series. And I think actually their bench is going to be the difference um, between the two teams. Um, so I'm going with the Knicks in six, and I'm going with Golden State as well in six. Um, Lawrence, I also wanted to verify your picks. Um, I, I I know you touched on it earlier. Um, what, in fact, I'm not sure I got your picks. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't give any yet. I'm I'm gonna say for these two particular series, I'm gonna say the Knicks are gonna take care of business, but it's gonna take them seven. Indiana took took um took Miami to seven last year. I mean, and they're they're a very good basketball team. They're gonna fight it. It's it's gonna be a heck of a series, and I'm. I'm I'm perplexed in this Spurs situation, but I'm gonna have to go with the vets. I'm gonna have to go with the Spurs. I think I think the Spurs between their vets and the youth that they actually do have, they're a very formidable basketball team and and, and I they're my personal favorites to win the West at this point, especially with Russell Westbrook out. So I'm gonna say Spurs and six. Yeah, I think I mean, I think I'm with Lawrence. I do commend Jason for for writing out the the Golden State pick. Um, I feel like somebody has to because, you know, uh, every one of us really wants to see them go on just because of, you know, how exciting they are. And, you know, Jason touched on it several times that, you know, they've got that college team appeal. Um, and they're you know they're so young, so you know Draymond Green is is fresh out of Michigan State, so it's you know you just saw some of these guys in college last year, um, so it's like you know they're so young and they're so you know they're high paced and they're fun to watch. Um, I think you know I'm with Lawrence though. I'm going with I'm going with experience. Um, you know I'm going I'm going with the, with the you know the veteran leadership, but I'm also you know I'm also going off of the fact that. You know, and I and I read a quote from from Andrew Bogut um, from from his post game interview last night after after they beat Denver, um, saying that you know it was basically out of his in his words saying that it, it was a miracle that they that basically a miracle that they won this series, um, given given the the implications with David Lee getting hurt and and Stephen Curry tweaking his ankle there uh, in Game Two. Um, that, I guess, you know, he, he kind of figured it was really kind of that strong underdog story. 
I'm not, I'm not, you know, I want to see Golden State really come out confident, you know, against San Antonio, really play against them. I, I agree with Jay that if Stephen Curry finds a way to be the best player in the series, um, San Antonio's in trouble. I, I, I honestly believe that. Um, and and we, we've all seen what he can do. So if he's able to do that, um, and, you know, I, I don't really see a, a concrete answer on, for San Antonio for Stephen Curry. You know, you can you can have Tony Parker chase him around, but, he, you know, he's got his ankle problems. And, he's you know, he, he may be a little too old to be messing around trying to stay in front of that, you know. Um, uh, so I'm going with Spurs in six here. Like I said, I'm, I'm going with experience, um, uh, and I'm also operating from, you know, I'm not sure Golden State can get one in San Antonio. It, it, it's going to take another monstrous Stephen Curry performance. And, and Clay Thompson, I mean, they, they make shots, they're successful. We saw that in game two in Denver when they stole that game. Um, so, it, you know, obviously, again, a series that, that we've got our eyes on. And I'm, and I'm going Knicks in seven as well. I think, I think Indiana is, is, is tested enough to go to seven. Um, so we've got we've got a different one. Jason's got New York in six, um, and Golden State. Uh, in fact, Jason, I don't think I got your your game pick for Golden State. Golden State. I'm going. I'm going Golden State in six. Um, oh, I, I don't know why six is my number, honestly. Um, but I think I think Golden State will take care of business at home, and I think they'll shoot the ball well enough in one game in San Antonio to be able to steal one. And uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go Golden State in in, in six games. Um, I, let's talk about Oklahoma City because you know obviously they you know they closed out the series against Houston last night. Um, you know, prevented a game six when he didn't just come back and, and won, you know, won two games in a row. Um, without Russell Westbrook, you know, we talked about it, you know, this morning before the show, you know, the kind of – basically the way that they won last night. Um, you know, Durant uh, finishes with, with, you know, 29 points – or 27 points, rather, eight rebounds, six assists, um, but he had six other guys that scored in double figures. You know, Kevin Martin gets gets 25 points, 21 in the second half. Um, Reggie Jackson comes in with 17 points and eight assists and even seven rebounds. And, you know, other guys come in and hit shots. You know, Derek Fisher is making big plays down the stretch. And, you know, we talked about it last week um, with the whole, you know, the implications of the absence of Russell Westbrook. And, you know, I said it last week that, you know, we were going to learn a lot about Kevin Durant and a lot about the Oklahoma City Thunder as a unit because without that, and we we all mentioned it, you know, you have to compensate for that loss. Uh, No matter how you spin it, that's 20, at least 24, sometimes to, to 30 points that you have to accommodate for. And, you know, we talked a little bit about what Durant needed to do um, himself to compensate for that and also, you know, what kind of help he would need. So looking ahead, you know, they've got Memphis in the first round. Um, Jay, I know, you know, we were talking about it earlier, um, uh, you know, kind of just reemphasize kind of what you mentioned earlier about what's your, what's your thoughts on that second-round matchup. 
Um, it, it, it'll be an interesting matchup. I'm actually, I'm actually pretty sure that, or uh, I feel confident that the that this series will will go seven. Um, okay, so this is this is how this is this is what I'm thinking. I like Memphis as a team and what they do, and I, I think Memphis is tremendous defensively. They they play great defense. They control the paint. Zach Randolph and, and Marcus Saul are are, are are a front court that you know is 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 very very underrated. I, I feel like um, among the front courts in the NBA as as one of the best. Um, and I and I love what they do, just just controlling the paint, controlling the glass, and and establishing their tempo and making other teams play at their tempo. Um, they don't have a guy to go to at the end of games to close things out, and and that bothers me. And in the NBA, I think more so than even college basketball, you need that guy, and and that's why franchises go out and pay so much money for a LeBron James, a Carmelo Anthony, a Kevin Durant, guys that that can close out games, and guys that demand double teams, that demand attention and that put consistent pressure on defenses. And I just think Kevin Durant is, is going to come out in this series and really flourish and be that guy. And and we all know without a doubt that he's capable. Um, I think there's no questions there. Um, I just think in a series that might be low scoring, um, and, I, and I think Memphis would like this series to be a low scoring series, um, I just think in a half-court, grind-it-out type game, you need a guy that that can put his team on his back and, and, and finish off games. And I just think Kevin Durant is going to be that guy in this series. I'm not in love with the way OKC played against Houston in that first round. I'm, I'm really not. Um, I, it's crazy to see how – how much they are actually missing Russell Westbrook, and I know Russell Westbrook gets a lot of criticism from people about how he shoots too much and and how he doesn't get Kevin Durant involved more, and and I hear that, but his value defensively and offensively to the team is is tremendous, and and I think it showed a lot in the Houston series, and it may show a lot in this Memphis series as well. I just think Kevin Durant does enough. To, to keep Oklahoma City steady, and uh, and and I think in half court games um, that are possibly going to be in the 80s and 90s, I think Kevin Durant is the difference between these two teams, and uh, I, I just feel like he's going to be the best player head and shoulders in this series, and he's going to take Oklahoma City to another Western Conference final. Uh, Lawrence, what's your take? Are you are you with Jay for Oklahoma City? And just to verify, Jay, you've got Oklahoma City in, in seven? In seven, yep. I think it'll go seven. Lawrence, what do you think? I mean, I hate to piggyback, but uh, I, that is actually my pick as well, Oklahoma City in seven. I think, I mean, Memphis definitely does a lot of good things, and they do a lot of things to where they're going to be able to bother Oklahoma City. But, I mean, Kevin Durant is the X factor. I mean, we've seen his production go up since Russell Westbrook has been out, and I feel like he's still kind of adjusting to his 
to his new role, and, and he may really come into it this, this Memphis series. I mean, he's going to have to if Oklahoma City is going to be able to be successful. And, I mean, we know that he's good enough to be able to do that. And, and with the play of the other guys, I mean, the other guys are as big now as they are at any other time. But the Kevin Martins, Reggie Jackson had a really good fourth quarter uh, yesterday, which is which is extremely promising. I mean, he didn't score at all in the first three, but he had he scored double digits in the in the fourth quarter. I feel like when I I was flipping back and forth between that and the Memphis game, but at one point in the fourth quarter, he had about thirteen or fourteen points, which is which, I mean, is going to be huge for them. Derek Fisher knocking down big shots. Kevin Martin actually coming to play. And, and Sergi Baca as well. I think that they have the, they have the proper pieces. I mean, where, where I feel like the biggest mismatch in terms of, uh, OKC being at any sort of downfall is inside when it comes to Memphis because Memphis does have that double-headed monster of Zebo and, and Mark Gasol. But I, I think that Sergi and Perk will be able to, do enough with that to where that won't be able to kill them like it did LA with with LA's hurt back court and I mean hurt front court and and them not necessarily being at a hundred percent. I I think that OKC takes care of business. Look for Kevin Durant to to have a few forty point games this series, but but yeah, it'll it can go seven. It can definitely go seven. So OKC in seven. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the wrench in, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the underdog and, yeah. and take Memphis in seven here. I think I'm gonna go Memphis in seven here, guys. And you know, Jason, you know, and and you know, we all see it. Everyone sees it. You know, the the absence of Russell Westbrook is is. It tra- it transforms their team tremendously. They almost look like they just they look like a completely different team. They are um, different not to say not to say that they still don't look the part because I I mean especially from what I saw in you know last night you like what what you saw from them in Game Six with you know Reggie Jackson involved and you know uh, Nick Collison putting in good minutes and, and you know different guys you know chipping in and making those plays. That's really what it comes down to here in the playoffs. Um, against a team like, you know, and Jay, you know, Jay is right. When it comes, to, especially in the playoffs here, you need guys to go to. I'm looking at the Clippers series against Memphis, and, again, I'm I'm not one to say, I, I mean, I'm of the mindset that Oklahoma City is, is, is light years more disciplined than the Clippers are defensively. I mean, the Clippers just, I mean, their defensive mentality is it was just shot from the gate. I mean, they lost four straight games just, just four. Sure. Straight, I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm of the mindset that Oklahoma City is more sound defensively than the Clippers. At the same time, I'm looking at how Memphis, you know, deal, dealt with the Clippers, how they were able to outscore the, you know, the the high offensive, the, you know, the high offensive train that that was Lob City, scoring over 100 points, being you know, beating the Clippers and down the stretch. You see, it's 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 not really one guy, but it, it's been different guys thus far. I mean, you've got Mike Conley, you know, uh, obviously Zebo and, and Gasol, you know, doing what they're doing. Tayshawn Prince, you know, just doing. I mean, everyone is kind of just doing a little bit, a, a little bit that makes it just enough for them. And for some reason, in my gut, my gut is telling me that without Russell Westbrook, that that little extra something that Memphis is coming with is is, is going to eventually in the end be too much. I, I think 
I think Durant does everything he can possibly do. I mean, we talked about it before. I think he's, you know, he's going to have to be that guy. He's going to have to be great, phenomenal for them to pull this series out. I think we, I think he'll be great, but I'm, I'm going with Memphis here. Um, you know, so I, I'm going with the Memphis San Antonio Western Conference Finals here. Um, you know, I, you guys obviously, well, we've we've got different ones, right? I mean, Jason's got Golden State going on, um, so. Jason, you've got Golden State. Um, Golden State, OKC. Golden State, got, Oklahoma City. Yep, and I've got um, I've got San Antonio, Oklahoma City. San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and I'm going Memphis, San Antonio um, in the West. So that's underway um, starting tomorrow, actually. Oklahoma City uh, will play against Memphis game one at 1 o'clock Eastern time tomorrow on, on, uh, on ABC. Um, or pretty sure that's ESPN, as a matter of fact, um, <laughs> for getting the, the, the playoff schedule. Um, but going over to the East, um, obviously we have game seven tonight in Brooklyn. Um, we made our picks here on the show, and we were split 50-50. Uh, Jason and myself chose uh, Brooklyn in, in seven games, and, and Lawrence and Tommy went with Chicago. Um, it's certainly been that kind of series. Um, the only game seven we have left, and obviously the winner of this series will go on and play Miami in the next round. Um, at this point, it's almost like you really don't know what to expect. I mean, a lot of things are really going into this game seven now, right? Um, with Luol Deng, I mean, seemingly on his deathbed. I mean, he's, he's been in the hospital the last few days. Um, you know, it's really unfortunate for Chicago going into this game seven. I mean, they just looked so depleted in that game five, and they and they just came up short. I mean, they they only lost by three. It came down to that one possession. Joe Kim Noah got got the tie up, and they you know they ended up having another possession and and just couldn't muster anything up. Bellinelli, you know, missed a, a actually a pretty decent look. But again, it you know, Chicago is it, you know. I'm not. I'm. I'm confident with my Brooklyn pick here, particularly with Luol Deng not being healthy. I mean, supposedly the the whole team is supposed to be have some kind of flu symptoms or you know whatever. Nate Robinson had a trash can by him in, in Game Six, you know, throwing up on the sideline. So health is is certainly a factor here for Chicago. Joakim Noah has since guaranteed a Game Seven win, which you love. From guys because you know you want to see how they how they back up their words so it's you know it comes down to this you love game seven um guys what are your thoughts but jay i'll go to you first you were you picked brooklyn along with me how confident are you in brooklyn today um i'm i'm fairly confident in brooklyn um i'm pulling this off tonight uh obviously it helps that they're at home um the 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 rash of 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 flu like symptoms in Chicago is kind of weird and scary and, and, and I think there's just instability there with with the changing lineups. Um but I'm I'm expecting regardless of, of who plays for Chicago. I know uh Lawrence said earlier that Rob Dang may not be playing again. Um I, I regardless of who's on the floor for Chicago um, I just think it's going to be another one of those tough, tough, grinded-out games. Um, I, I, I want to say whoever wins 
is only going to win. It's going to be a close game, and it could come down to the last possession. Um, that's just how this series has been. Obviously, it's gone seven games. Um, I'm still giving the, the edge to Brooklyn, um, but it all comes down to Deron Williams. Um, I, I don't. I don't think there's there's even um, much question about that, or 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 reason to even beat around the bush here. It's about Deron Williams in this game. All right, he comes to Brooklyn, or he comes to New Jersey last year. Now they're in Brooklyn. He's the face of the franchise. Their first playoff series. They're in a game seven at home. Deron Williams, Joe Johnson, you know, Brooke Lopez, these three guys have to step up and get this done tonight. And and, and I think they will. And and I'm I'm putting a lot and I'm putting the most pressure on Deron Williams to really come out and 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 take the reins of this franchise and kind of bump it to the next level. I mean, even when they were New Jersey, they haven't won a playoff series in years now. And 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 to have the opportunity to see a Miami Heat in the next round, I mean, for the fans, for the organization, like this game is everything for them. So I I I just I want to see Deron Williams come out and be extremely aggressive, especially early in the game, um, and uh, and I and I think Brooklyn I think Brooklyn will take care of Chicago today at home um, tonight at home. So uh, I'm looking forward to a very good game. It's the only game on tonight, which which is disappointing, but um, I'm looking forward to a pretty pretty intense physical. Um, well played matchup on both sides, and uh, but I'm 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 still believing in Brooklyn and in Deron Williams that he can get them over the hump here and get this win. Um, so real, I mean, I know you know you touched on Darren Williams specifically, but even more specifically, and I'll go to Lawrence even for on the Chicago side. But Jay, give me your if the the, the Brooklyn Nets win Game Seven if. The Brooklyn Nets win Game Seven if Joe Johnson and Brooke Lopez both score in the in, in the eighteen to twenty five point range. Um, I think I think Deron Williams is going to have to have a solid floor game. Um, I don't think he has to go for thirty, but I think he needs to to be aggressive to put pressure on, on, on the guards, put pressure on Heinrich, put pressure on Nate Robinson, um, consistently get into the paint and make plays for, for other people on the team. And uh, if, if Brook Lopez has, a, has another solid game, I'm thinking a double-double of somewhere between 18 or 20 points and, and you know, 10 to 13 or 14 rebounds, I think that that'll, that'll be that'll be excellent for them and I think if Joe Johnson comes out and is pretty aggressive as well and gets and gets, you know, seventeen to, to twenty five points, um, I think I think Brooklyn does it. If 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 those two guys as well, you know, pitch in offensively and and, and play well on the defensively. Well said, I, I would have to agree. Um you're you're helping me you're helping me with my, you feel more confident about my with my Brooklyn pick there, Jay um, Lawrence. What about what are your thoughts? Uh, what is it if the Chicago the Chicago Bulls will win Game Seven? If 
I'm going to say the Chicago Bulls are one game seven if Nate Robinson and Carlos Boozer combine for 50 points. I, I, I mean, the, this, these two guys have proven to be their main sources of offense, especially with, with Lou Deng definitely being out for tonight with, with the flu, apparently. Uh, reports say that he's still in an ER. He hasn't for the past few days, so it's, uh, it sounds pretty bad. So thoughts and prayers out with, uh, with Lou Deng and I guess the, the rest of the Bulls team who apparently are, are all weakened to some extent by the flu, but, I, Nate Robinson and, and, and Carlos Boozer are the guys that that Chicago is going to need to really make themselves offensively present in order to get the win. They're kind of, I mean, they're they're, they're a team that they're going to find ways to. Uh, it's all about finding ways to score. They're going to be able to stop you. We know that Tom Thibodeau's defensive-minded coach. They have a bunch of. Good defenders. I mean, they're a good defensive team. They have a good core, good bigs on the inside that can test shots, make make the right decisions. It's, it's all about finding offense for Chicago. And if if Boozer and Nate Robinson can really implement themselves the way they have successfully throughout the series, then then they'll come home with the win. And and one of the Bulls wins. You see, Carlos Boozer had 22 and 16. Another win, he had 25 and 13. Like he, he has to be a presence. He has to be a, and he, and he has been a force. I mean, he's definitely been something that the that Brooklyn hasn't quite figured out how to deal with yet. And um, he's going to have to be big again. Same thing with Nate Robinson. You kind of scratch your head when you watch Nate Robinson. Like, how is this guy doing this? And if he's doing this. Why isn't he playing all year? Like, why isn't he? Why isn't he on everyone's radar? Why isn't he a guy that everybody should be paying attention to? And he, I mean, he's kind of done this for the past few years, where we know that Nate Robinson can score in bunches. I mean, that one game he had 34, and, and I feel like it was over 90 percent of those points were in the fourth quarter and in the. Uh, couple overtime periods they had so those are the two key guys for them to for me in this game I think if Nate Robinson and Carlos Boozer combined for 50 the Chicago Bulls uh, win this series and and move on to face the Miami Heat Um, that was uh, you segued perfectly into my next question for both of you guys Uh, Jay which one of these teams would you trust more to pose a, a bigger threat to Miami in the next round um, I think I think neither of these teams pose any type no of threat right. to Miami in the, in the, in the next round. That's what I wanted to say, too. Um, like that's, that's, a tough, that's a tough question. Um, I think Brooklyn, and, and and I think because of their, their core three guys, um, you know, when you think about how, how absolutely stout Miami is defensively, um, you got to score. You have to be able to push the tempo and get points in transition against them before they get they, their defense set up. And uh, Chicago is a half-court team, and and though they they did beat the Heat and, and, and stop the streak, I don't think I don't think Chicago even wants to see Miami right now um, with that extra motivation that Miami would have. Um, I think if Brooklyn can get a game or two from Miami, it'll be because of a Deron Williams or Joe Johnson having a standout game. Um, so I, I would I would go with Brooklyn, and and that was part of the reason why I picked them in this in in this series is because I felt like out of the two teams, um, 
if if, if someone is going to even put up a, a, some type of fight against Miami, I think Brooklyn is better equipped to do so. What do you think, Lawrence? Brooklyn or Chicago? Well, I mean, if we're, if we're going to go by my pick, I, I definitely want to say Chicago. I I want to say that Chicago defensively is, I mean, can slightly slow down the heat, but realistically, they can't. I mean, I, I don't think either team really poses a threat, like like Jay said. Uh, I I think that I think that New uh, Brooklyn rather. It, their star power, the fact that they have those guys, the fact that they have the the Darren Williams and the Joe Johnson and the Brooke Lopez, maybe get them the vote over Chicago just because a standout game from a guy like that can from guys like that can actually can can really boost the team's morale and and really get them over humps that they wouldn't normally be able to get over. But I mean, if you look at if you look at the regular season, it doesn't look like Brooklyn beat uh, Miami at all throughout the regular season. But Chicago took two from uh, Miami, so I mean that's something to look at as well. The the bit different of a Chicago team. I mean, we don't know where the health at for either team was in those two regular season games. But it does look like I'm looking at the uh, Miami's regular season schedule right now, and Chicago took two from them. So. I mean, you, you want to say Chicago? I I gave my reasons to why I would consider New York, uh, Brooklyn, rather a, a little bit more than Chicago. But uh, I don't think either team is actually going to take more than a game. Uh, if if Miami plays Chicago in the next round, they're getting swept. You think so, though? I, yes, they're getting swept. I, I believe that. I believe yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Because listen, with 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 Heinrich out now, you know his his health is in question. They've they've shortened the rotation. They really only have uh, I mean, with Dang in there, also they have a seven man rotation with you know obviously no Derrick Rose, but it's like what you guys. I mean, they, they cannot. Well, I mean, an I know how every game in that series will go. Every game will be. I mean. <laughs> Miami may not hit – they may not hit 100, but, I mean, every game will come down to the wire and it will come down to who are you going to in the end to get yourself a basket. And and when Derrick Rose is there, it's two against one. Without Derrick Rose, it's two against them. It's, it's just LeBron and – I mean, the pick your poison. Like, without, without – I mean, they don't have – they don't have enough. And, and particularly, I mean, even more so because – they're coming off of a seven-game series with Brooklyn. I mean, yeah, they're going to be This game seven tonight. They're listen. They're beat up from the, from the Brooklyn series. They're you know they're not a hundred percent healthy. They don't have all their guys. They, you know, uh, I don't see them pulling out that match. I, you know, for the credit of my own pick, I'm going to say that Brooklyn you know poses a bigger threat. And I'm you know I think Darren Williams is key, but I think Brook Lopez is key as well because. Um, you know, the way Brooke Lopez has been able to play in this series against Chicago, I mean, he's had some big games. Um, uh, but I think he gives Brooklyn a, certain, a specific advantage against Miami, um, you know, in the paint as well. You know, in the backcourt, I think they have the advantage with Darren Williams. But, you know, you've got, you've got Dwayne Wade and you've got LeBron, you know, as perimeter defenders. But, you know, Brooke Lopez creates a matchup problem for them size-wise. And the way Brooklyn hits the glass, I think 
I think they give Miami more of a fight at this point, at this juncture. I think Brooklyn gives them more of a fight. I, I think Chicago, mentally, we've, said, we've all said it before, Chicago is not afraid of Miami. We, all, we know that. They will compete. But when it comes down to trying to win, and I, I'm with you guys. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think either team is really equipped enough to win, but in terms of putting up a threat, I think I think Brooklyn might be our might be our best bet. So um, obviously we'll find out um, tonight uh, at eight o'clock. Brooklyn and Chicago will tip off at Barclays Center, um, and after tonight we'll know we'll know what that second round matchup is going to be. So um, the second round of the NBA playoffs will kick off tomorrow, uh, like we said at one o'clock with Oklahoma City against Memphis, and following that it'll be New York and Indiana. So. Um, you know, getting right into the second round. Um, obviously, you know, we'll come back here uh, and, you know, recap from from the events of, of the second round of the playoffs and, and continue our discussion in the coming weeks. Uh, we're going to go to our first commercial now um, and wrap up our, our, our first segment. We're going to come back and talk a little bit about J. Cole and some other, some other recent news in hip-hop this week and try to get a little discussion going on that. Um, so this is The Collective. We'll be right back with the music segment. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet, now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French-cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, Welcome back to The Collective. Uh, we are about to start our music segment um, where we discuss uh, the latest news and releases in music. 
Um, you can refer to our music blog, uh, whatwehear.blogspot.com, for uh, features, reviews, and music that you should have in your playlist right now. Um, we just played the clip after our commercial um, from uh, Mr. J. Cole, who brought us the Truly Yours 2 EP, um, the sequel to the the, the EP that he dropped um, earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, we got it from J. Cole this week, Truly Yours 2. Um, again, the, the clip we just played was uh, the ending of a, of a sample from the song Kenny Lofton, which is which is featuring Young Jeezy. Um, a, a six a six songs, right? Uh, six songs, right, Lawrence? Six song, yeah, six song collection. Yeah, six um, songs. Six songs. Um, you know, uh, uh, I believe the last one was like five or six songs as well, right? The last one was five. Yeah. Five. Okay. Um, so uh, you know, kind of another teaser uh, leading up to his uh, his second album, Born Center which is set for a June 25th release date. Um, uh, uh, more, some more vintage J. Cole here. Um, you know, we played, we played the, the sample from the Kenny Lawson record, um, really a collection of just, just extremely well-sampled song, uh, rap songs. Um, uh, you know, vintage J. Cole in terms of production, and and you know lyricism and you know we've talked about J Cole here a couple times on this show and kind of what we're looking for from him coming up to this Born Center album um, after after the Sideline Story album his first album from um, from last year was it last year no two years ago rather um, so you know Lawrence I'll, you know I'll give it to you what are your you know what are you liking from this from this EP and uh, you know what should we look forward to coming up to the album you think. Well, to start, um, I want to talk about last week we uh, we touched on what artists, particularly the hip-hop, that we were looking forward to the most in terms of uh, coming up with new projects. And, and I really want, I really feel like we failed <laughs> because none of us mentioned Cole. And, and it's, it's, it's realistically one of the bigger, bigger albums in hip-hop that we should be looking forward to because, I mean, with this second album... We feel like, I mean, at least in his music, especially with the songs on Truly Yours and Truly Yours 2, when he actually addresses the first album, he kind of talks about it as if he knows that it wasn't what it should have been and, and kind of born center is it, supposed to be his redemption. It's supposed to be, all right, this is this is what my first album should sound like. This is what... This is what I wanted to do the first time around that he didn't necessarily get a chance to do, and we do understand that there are certain pressures from the label to to make certain kind of songs or to put certain kind of songs on there, and that's kind of what we saw from from the sideline story. It was a lot of commercial songs. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the J Cole that we fell in love with with uh, with the warm up and even Friday Night Lights. I mean, the, the, those are a lot more soulful songs they're they're deeper songs they're they're in their stories which is which is what i like about j cole the most i feel like he's one of the better storytellers we've had in hip-hop since 
since the Nas, realistically. I mean, he's he's that good at telling a story in in 50 seconds. In this, in the on the Truly Yours two EP that he just put out this past week, he has a song called Cousins with a guy named Baz, I believe it's pronounced B A S, and he's another guy. Uh, he's a guy in in J Cole's uh, Dreamville camp. So he he's 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 one of J Cole's, and and he has a phenomenal verse on it. But J Cole comes on and tells an entire story about a cousin that he has that he kind of lost contact with uh, throughout his entire kind of uh, come up, if you want to say, and, and how they kind of reconnected and, and things like that. And, it, and after listening to it, you're just like, wow. Like, he, he literally just painted an entire picture of a relationship in 50 seconds. And that's what J. Cole does that is so good. He's a he's a big picture type of guy and that's kind of what you see in his music, whether that's with his actual production, which he has his hands in a lot more than he than he did before and I'm sure he's happy about that. When when you see a when when albums come out that it's it's a guy rapping or or singing or whatever you want it or whatever type of music it is, but that same guy has his hand a major hand in the production on the album. It changes it a little bit because it makes it so that the piece that you're listening to is coming all from J Cole. And if we get a piece like that, I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be what we can consider a classic. I mean, the the song, the only song I believe that's confirmed to be on it so far is the um is the Power Trip song with Power Cole, which is which is excellent, very well. which is oh, I mean, it's a very good record. He's got Miguel on it who's one of the hottest artists not genre specific, just artists, musical artists right now in the world. And to have him on there, and, and I mean, it's, it's a flawless track. I, I really like the track, and, and it, it's a, like I said, J. Cole's a, a really big, big picture type of guy. He's not going to necessarily put together a song where he's just, like, talking about God knows what, one one bar in a verse, and then the very next bar is switching it up. He kind of, like, sticks to a theme. And that's, and that's one thing you can definitely appreciate about J. Cole because it, it, it shows that he's approaching this thing as if it's an art. So I, with, the, with the Power Trip song, which was also produced by J. Cole, I mean, I think that we're going to see one of the best albums of the year coming out on 225th with Born Center. I, I am thoroughly looking forward to it. I mean, what, like I said, what he offers is, is pretty much timeless. He's, he's starting to get a better grasp on that whole, on the whole singing thing and, and being able to make hooks with that type of stuff. So that's always cool to see, and and I, I mean I, I expect big things out of J Cole. He's a he's a big artist. He's big time endorsed. One one of my favorite lines off of Truly Yours too. He's talking about Jay Z, and he's like he pretty much says it took a guy like Jay Z to actually be able to sign me like that. That, that says a lot for Cole, and that and it and it's a very true statement. I mean Jay Z's not going to back just any artist, you know. So. Him having that backing and, and but actually being able to work on stuff on his own this time around and, and kind of put together something that's all created by J. Cole is going to be something great. And, I, I, I mean, I don't expect anything less. I think that the, if this isn't one of the best albums of the year on a broad scale, then it's almost a disappointment. Um, so, def- I mean, I think it's warranted, you know, you want to set, like, 
in terms of when it comes to J. Cole, like, you, you want to set the bar that high. I mean, you're talking, you know. You, Absolutely. I mean, just to reiterate what you said, you know, you're talking, you know, classic and one of the best, you know, one of, should be one of the better albums of the year. Um, oh, absolutely. I mean, if you think about, if you look at, if you have actually been following hip-hop in the last few years and you kind of seen the, the, the shift and the patterns and the, and the way it's starting to form up, J. Cole is one of the best rappers alive right now. And I I think that it's, it's hard for you not to be able to say that. There's, there's certainly guys that you can put above him, and I mean, it's an argument. There's never going to be an objective. But realistically, J. Cole is one of the best doing it right now. And, and, and from the best, we want the best. So that, that's why I hold that high of a bar and that high of a standard for this for this next J. Cole album because it's, it's, it's almost make or break. It's not, it's not like he's just going to wake up one morning and just be a bad rapper, but at the same time, you can be a very good rapper and, and not put out anything of any significance, or you can be a great rapper, and great rappers put out the significant pieces, pieces that are going to be able to stick out, and I think that it's, it's time for J. Cole to, to kind of uh, make his stamp because he didn't do that with Sideline still. Is he is he a top fiver hands down, Lawrence? Right now, I think I think actively like actually making music on a, on a consistent basis, I would say he's a top fiver. I would say he's one of the best fiver in the game. I mean, there's obviously guys that are going to be above him. I would put Kendrick above him. I would put Drake above him. But I mean, the, the, he he's he's certainly in that conversation to me, without a doubt. Uh, Jay, what what are your thoughts on J Cole and the and the new EP? I am I am thrilled uh, about the new uh, in concerns to the new EP. Um, J Cole is one of those guys for me um, where you know when he has something out, I am I'm all ears. Uh, I'm literally all about it, and you know he he takes the these long breaks, it seems like, from putting things out, and he doesn't do a bunch of features. So you don't hear about him for a while, and it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind, as far as how I am with him. And then he comes out with, with something like this, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, gosh, like this dude is, this dude is, is, that, is that dude. Like, like he honestly is like one of the best rappers in the game, and he just reminds you of it. Um, in these in these short spins, and uh, true yours too is just it was everything for me this week. You know, I had I, we we were all I know we don't get into our personal lives too much. But we were all going through our finals week this week, and uh, and, and we were tired and 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 we were we were right. physically exhausted and just burnt out. And then that came out, and it literally just gave me a shot of adrenaline. It seemed like it was like it was like I drank six Red Bulls and I was ready to go after I heard that. It was just that refreshing, and 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 that absolutely just just wonderful timing for me. And and you know, I any time this would have dropped, I would have been excited about it. Um, but but particularly the production on the. And, and and I and I and I looked into it a little bit because I wanted to see, you know, who was really behind some of these beats, and I and I saw that either he co-produced or fully produced every all all of the songs on it, and and the beats are just 
absolutely slain. Like, they're all crazy. And, you know, his storytelling ability, which I've always seen to be above average, um, you know, came out in some of these songs. Um, I really, really, you know, really, really dig his stance about, you know, how the black male is perceived um, in our society. Um, he has a one punchline about how how some older white woman said to him, um, you're so tall, do you, you know, are you a basketball, like what team do you play for? Are you a basketball player? And he goes, no, I have, I have my masters. Like, like I dig stuff like that. And, 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 uh, he just, he, and he's always been about that, you know, basically breaking stereotypes and, and, and showing that you can be the smart African American kid and, and, and still be cool. And, and, and he, he kind of, embodies that being that you know he does have his degree and he you know he is a rapper and you know he played basketball in high school and all that good stuff so um i i support j cole uh 100 percent um i've been a fan for for some years now um and uh i just think that he's just getting better and you know we we talked about progression and and i've used that term a lot as far as artists go especially in hip-hop um, you know, guys that put out very, very good, you know, first albums and and, and, and mixtapes and things of that nature, and then they don't really show much progression um, and improvement um, um, in their later work. And and I think we're seeing consistent progression here from J. Cole, and I think that this EP kind of definitely is an example of that. And, and I think perfect timing for him. I think the way he's approached, you know, releasing this album has been has been awesome. You know, this EP just, you know, opens people's eyes again, um, being that he hasn't put out a, a ton of material. Um, and uh, I, I just think that, that this album, you know, I don't think it's, it's not make or break for me with him. Um, I think it's more so for him showing progression and more improvement and if that's what he's releasing for free, <laughs> I, I wanna—I really am excited to see what he's gonna actually release that he's gonna have people pay for, cause, cause that, cause that what he did this week, um, you know, kind of was I, I think the big story in hip hop, man, and, and and it deserves to be so. So, uh, great job by J Cole. Um, more than excited to to hear this album, and um, I'm just I'm just so happy to see. That, it, that progression and, and, and uh, kind of forward movement that I've been looking for from, from some of the newer artists that we've been discussing over the over the 12 weeks on the collective. So we can definitely uh, we can definitely agree that you know he's on the right track going up to this next album. You know, with the Power Trip record with Miguel as L touched on, and you know, uh, like as Jay you know iterated. The, the presence of this second truly yours, you know, the, and, you know, Lawrence, I know, you know, you kind of got into, and, I, you know, I had chances to listen to the first truly yours and it was, you know, it was kind of like a nice little dose. I mean, they were, they were, you know, there were good records on there. The, the stay record from, from Nas's album, which was, we found out was originally Jay Cole's, um, and, you know, and he, you know, he did a nice job with that one. But, this, I mean, this next one, you know, and Jay talked about, you know, the term progression. This one almost seems like, it feels like almost kind of the buildup is, is, is moving forward going into, you know, the June release date, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, it definitely does. I mean, I, 
I struggled with when it when it originally dropped because I I did fall in love with over time the the first truly yours EP I I, I mean okay. the song Tear, uh, Tears for ODB particularly caught me late and as did uh, Crunch Time the two really really mm-hmm. good tracks and and I mean they sound like J Cole beats so I'm going to, I'm gonna go ahead and assume that he also did the production on that which which is really good I think that. I think that he kind of saved his best throwaways for this Truly Yours too, because, I mean, essentially that's what it is. The J. Cole's album was originally supposed to be released, up, I want to say, in either January or February of this year, and it kept getting pushed back, which is why he's releasing the EPs kind of just to, to keep putting material out there and, and especially tracks that he knows are going to be throwaways. Because I, I want to say that all of these tracks off of both of the Truly Yours were recorded during sessions while doing Born Center. Like, they, they were in the Born Center sessions. They were kind of tracks that didn't make it. So, like Jay said, if, if these are the tracks that he's going to be throwing away, it, I mean, it certainly makes you look forward to, to Born Center all the more. But I do think that Truly Yours 2 had a, a little bit more in terms of content. I mean, it obviously had one more song than the first one, but I do think that I think that the best two songs on Truly Yours Two supersede the best two songs on Truly Yours One. I would say the best two songs, at least in my personal opinion, would have to be the on on Two would have to be the Cold Summer track, the track that he did over the um, Lauren Hill and D'Angelo. The Lauren Hill and yeah, yeah, and and um and I, I really really like Headbuster. Yeah, I really like Headbuster. I think that Headbuster is is, is kind of the, yeah, it's a very strong record because it it it's J Cole using flows that are kind of uh, I would say maybe maybe this isn't the right term, but I'll say commercialized, like flows that have become more popular, but it, it shows him using those flows, but being able to still do it in his own unique way, which is what it's really all about. He's doing it in a way to where it doesn't sound like everybody else, and then he kind of breaks out of those at the end of both of the verses of head buses and goes into a more intricate, like, syllable packing bars which which is is really cool i mean and he and he says some really thing, really cool things like where he's talking about um where he's talking about uh they kill Saddam now I wonder who's saying how you manage being batman Bruce Wayne like that i think that i think that's so cool and and, and he kind of like brings up the point that he he has this alter ego of sorts that he, he has to deal with, and that goes into his social commentary a lot. He had a song on Friday Night Lights called Two-Face, where it was pretty much the as he was yeah. talking about kind of the same thing, where it's just like uh, how he wants to be one thing, but like it, it, the conditions in his environment has made him into another. So he kind of like struggles going between these two things, and I think that's cool because, I mean, if an artist can really – kind of relay how they're feeling to you they're do, they're doing it well they're if an artist can really kind of get you to feel their progression as jay said and 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 their their kind of process and their growth like it, it, that that means that the artist is doing a good job at conveying their message and, and jay cole is definitely doing that so i would say that i would say that the truly yours too maybe had a a, a song or two that I wouldn't mind if I wouldn't mind being on Born Center at all. I mean, I I don't necessarily think that any songs off of Truly Yours one I would have like been 
uber ecstatic if they were on. I mean, like I said, I like Tears for ODB. I like Crunch Time. The stay was very good. The the the, uh, the Nas song that was originally his. I think that if anything, he could have maybe done a little bit more with that, and, and that could have been an album cut. But yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely think with Truly Yours too, we're seeing the progression that we want to see. And uh, another track that he dropped uh, earlier this year, the Miss America track, I, I, that that kind of oh, gets right. about a little bit. But that was, I mean, that that's the J Cole that we want. That's that that's that's the type of music that we want. Uh, he has kind of like a. I want to say almost like a generalized demographic, like a, a kind of group that that gravitates toward his music more than others. But at the same time, if if you're able to um, kind of get past the, the the complexity of J. Cole, because it's not necessarily easy listening. It's not going to be kind of mindless listening like a, uh, no disrespect, but like a 2 chains or something like that to where it's, don't do that. Don't do that. First of all, two chains delivered a bang verse on this J. Cole EP. No, he didn't. 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 Oh, uh, well, after Truly Yours first dropped, and, and he was like, yo, you didn't tell me that uh, there was a 2 chains feature on it, and I texted him back right away, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I forgot I forgot to tell you that there was a 2 chains feature, but it's horrible anyway. So it's no, horrible. it's not horrible. It's, it's classic 2 chains, son. It's hilarious. I'm smoking all the gas for the first couple bars, I liked it, and it, it got worse for me. Uh, it, yeah. It started out strong for me, and then it kind of, it, like, I don't know, it, it digressed for me. Because, the, the, I mean, that song itself, it was kind of, it was a little erratic. I yeah. Can't, I can't lie, yo. That, that, uh, maybe I'm just in a ratchet mood. But that, that's why, <laughs> that might be my favorite, my favorite song on the EP as far as, I, I guess, entertainment. Um, you know, it, J. Cole is, is, is not, I mean, they're not talking anything too deep. Um, you know, aside from from the NBA punchline that J Cole had, but I I think Two Chainz's verse is 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 hilarious, and then that's how it usually is with him. Like I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to kind of name any any particular bars, but the rich taste punchline I think it's hilarious. Um, but uh, everything I I just think that song is 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 very good for what it is. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy J. Cole put it on the EP and not on the album because I don't think it's album worthy. But but for what sure. but for what it is, I have a two I also have a two chain verse on a pretty on a very good beat and a ratchet J. Cole two verses. I think it's I, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, see, I had a my my main problem with the Chris Tucker track is that I felt like it sounded way too much like Mr. Nice Watch. Uh, it almost sounded like it was the same beat. It was it was like the, almost the same flows. It was almost the same hook. Realistically, just Chris Tucker, Money Talk, like hey, Nice Watch. Like it's, it's the same exact thing. So it, it kind of like it kind of threw me off. I understand why he put it on there, and I do appreciate the two chains verse for what it is. But come on. 
It's 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 not groundbreaking by any. Uh, all right, all right, all right. I didn't know. I didn't know every song had to be groundbreaking. <laughs>
He's he's been in the press, you know, recently. He's actually on tour right now with Fabulous. Um, so he's talked a little bit about, you know, the upcoming album, My Name Is My Name. Um, the first um the first reported single from the album, um, Numbers on the Boards, which is produced by Kanye West, you could actually find um on our music blog, what we hear com, um, from two weeks ago, I believe, um, songs that you should have in rotation right now. Um, very gritty, I mean just really raunchy and <laughs> really well produced song by Kanye and you know, again you can find the record on our blog. But um again, no one mentioned um, you know, Push's upcoming album um in July. And, you know, he's since confirmed that um, you know, some appearances will include the Dream, uh Kendrick, Kanye obviously, Rick Ross, um, among others. I'm sure Pharrell would ha- will have some type of influence. Um you know, another point going along talking about Pusha, he's he's since said that he, you know, he already knows what his second album is going to be called, and and he said it's going to be titled King Push, and he won't have any features. It'll just be all Pusha, um, and he, I guess that's how he feels. Like I guess he's foreseeing how he's going to feel after this first album comes out, and I guess he's already started to work on it. Um, so I guess. I would think that we all can agree that he kind of just needs to relax with that and let this, you know, let this let this first album kind of sink in and, and solidify himself. And when it comes yeah, to it's early. album, it's early to be talking about what you're doing for your second album when we, you know, we've only heard one song from your first album. Um, but but you know, talking about my name is my name. Um, you talk about another another artist, another guy, and I guess you know we can kind of do, you know, kind of a pseudo-comparison with J. Cole since we just talked about him, but when you're talking about another guy with Pusha T that you you want to see greatness come out of, that you, in fact, that you've seen greatness in already, um, I mean, with this, up to now, I mean, Pusha is certainly established. Um, you know, obviously, he's making a, a good, you know, a nice standing with good music, um, but with this album, you know, My Name Is My Name, his his his, is this his first? I believe this is his first solo album. His first solo album, yeah. Okay, so you know, uh, you know, implications there. You want to see something great out of it? You know, in my eyes, this is another rap album that should be up there on one of the top rap albums of the year. Um, and, and you know, I want to go into a little bit about the, you know, what the J Cole comparison. I want to kind of, kind of maybe contrast styles a little bit going forward, but. You know, I'll go to you guys first. Uh, Lawrence, your thoughts on, on Pusha? I mean, I'm I'm certainly excited about it. Like you said, it, it's his first solo mm-hmm. album, and, and Pusha T is certainly a, a seasoned rapper. I mean, he's, he's been around for over 10 years, and, and all of the things he's done with the clips has been great, and, and you kind of look to see what what push is going to be able to offer on a on a solo basis I, the the mixtape the Wrath of Kane mixtape wasn't wasn't necessarily what i wanted it to be i mean it it was good for what it was but it certainly wasn't um the groundbreaking by any means and not to say that push T has to be like like i said he he is already solidified he he's put his work in so i mean he's he's earned uh, a certain level of respect but at the same time I feel like with the team that he has around him, the producers that he has, the resources that he has being under Kanye's label, he should be able to put together an album that's going to be something that that he's going to be happy about a few years from now, something that 
he's going to be able to feel like, you know, I, I, I really put forth a real effort to make a good album. And that, that's what I'm looking for more, more than anything. I, I mean, it's obviously, it's obvious that Pusha T can rap. I mean, he, he's a good rapper. He, he, Kind of one of the um, one of the highlights I would say of of his style is kind of his aggression. His the the way he like attacks songs is is very cool and it's and it's different in, in its own mm-hmm. right. I mean he kind of he kind of puts puts together this. He, I mean the Pusha T is is self proclaimed Pusha. I mean that that's kind of what his whole thing is about that he's this he's this drug pen realistically and and i mean whether he is or isn't he he does a good job of 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 portraying this and really like talking about what this what this is and and what this i guess alter ego is because i don't feel like pusha t is actually on the block moving bricks the personally i don't (laughs) I mean, whether he is or not is, isn't any of my business, but I, I don't feel like he is. But at the same time, I feel like he has the credibility to be able to talk about these kind of things and kind of put a put a different kind of spin on things. I, I would consider to almost like a, a, a Ross type of character to where, like, he, he's kind of this, this kingpin that he's developed, and, and he's a boss in his own right. And I, I I like that the most about Pusha. I think that a few years mm-hmm. ago he had one of the best verses realistically on Kanye's uh, "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy" with his solo Paul verse, and then that really opened up my eyes to say, all right, Pusha, Pusha in the next coming year or so is really going to start to solidify himself as a solo artist. And and I think uh, another big thing about Pusha that people don't talk about as much is that he is one of one rappers that was actually able to successfully come at Little Wayne and not just be written off and just like, all right, been irrelevant. He was he was able right. to successfully start a beef with Little Wayne and everyone has to hear him out because of his relevance. And, and I I think that 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 does a lot for the uh, that says a lot for the respect that Pusha T has in the game, and uh, so with that, I don't think that Pusha T is is one of the best rappers in the game. At, a, at a, I mean, I don't think he's top five. He's not. I don't think he's in that conversation when we're talking about the Coles and we're talking about the Kendricks and, and such. But I do think he is someone that that people should pay some attention to because he can pan out to be. He, I, I mean, he can be. I would consider Pusha in that maybe top. 15 or so range to where he's he's a guy that you can't forget about because he he I mean he can flat out rap uh, so, so it, it's it's no shocker to see that that Pusha T is kind of um the building up some hype and some buzz around his first solo release so I, I I'm thoroughly looking forward to it I think it, I think it should be good through and through what was hands by Kanye on it and and like you mentioned his his ties with Pharrell from the past I hope that that's brought back in and he can work with him some because that was that was pretty much that was like some of my favorite pusher that was that was some of the best pusher so I I hope that he can he can maintain at this point I'm not necessarily looking for much progression I don't think that 
I mean, Pusha has much growing to do as an artist. I feel like he 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 is a rapper that has a ceiling and and is starting to get close to it. I don't think that he's going to be able to to remain relevant and really do what he's done for for the next five to ten years. So I, I think that this album right here is kind of Pusha T's legacy. So I'm 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 hoping he can put out something that's really going to be able to embody that. Um, you know, a couple, you know, a, a couple things from from your points that I wanted to to touch on, you know, further. I, you know, I want to get Jay's thoughts on Pusha, and you know, I guess I'll let Jay kind of embellish as I, you know, I just kind of make the transition real quick. But just you know, something that occurred to me with Lawrence, what you said, and even with the Little Wayne situation, I think that is. That's such a strong aspect because you're looking at someone like Little Wayne who is at the top. I mean, regardless of what you think about him, we've we've expressed our disdain for his his recent uh, work on this show. But but you know, as a, as a rap figure, you know, he is there at the top. And like you said, Pusha was able to survive. Operating from that point, I'm. I mean, and again, I'll let you know. I'll let Jay go on and give his thoughts. But you know. What do you guys think about, you know, in terms of Pusha, I mean, essentially you're talking about right now the, the, the element of gangster rap. I mean, you know, you have you have your rap, you know. I mean, you have rap music. We, you know, we've been talking about J. Cole. You know, J. Cole is not a gangster rapper. We, I mean, we know that. You know, we've talked about the kind of things that he embodies, what he brings, you know, in terms of lyrically, in terms of his content and whatnot. You know, Pusha, like you touched on, Lawrence, but, you know, the kind of stuff he talks about, it's, you know, it's on the corner, on the block, you know, real upfront and personal type of gritty approach. Um, so it's, you know, and you've got a few guys, I think, that are kind of flirting. You mentioned uh, Ross, Lawrence, and, you know, he, he gets, you know, criticized for saying stuff that, you know, that he may not actually be doing and, you know, what that may be, but... It, it, you know, I guess, Jay, I'll let you answer it and, you know, just give your thoughts. But, it, you know, it's Pusha kind of in that upper echelon right now when you talk of, when you talk about the state of gangster rap. Um, I, I, would, I would put him there. Um, I, think I, I, I think Pusha is above average. And I totally disagree with Lawrence. Um, I think whatever he raps about, um, he's done or is doing as far as, you know, being the pusher man. And, and and I believe him more so than I believe a lot of other rappers. Um, you know, I I I have a I have a appreciation for for Pusher for kind of staying true to himself throughout his career. Um you know, the the clips are one of the premier rap duos that, that we've seen. Um, and uh, I, I would I would put him in that category, or at least I would make an argument for him being in that category. Um, there there are not many rappers that I would say are above average, um, and and I would I, I would definitely agree, and I think there's definitely an argument that that Pusha T is in that category. Um, I'm. I'm more than looking forward to to his album, um, and uh, like the one thing that Lawrence said, just his ties with with Kanye and Pharrell. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that as far as hip hop production, and 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 I'm sure 
he realizes that, and and I don't think there's any doubt that he'll tap into that for this album. Um, so, uh, yes, and to answer the question, the short short answer, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, Lawrence, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I feel like, you know, when you look at the scope of rap, I mean, there's so many different, um, you know, things going on. I mean, you've got your your Wiz Khalifa's and your currencies, and then you've got your, you know, your B.O.B.'s and your, you know, your Childish Gambino. I mean, there's so many kind of subgenres within rap. And I, I guess, you know, what I'm thinking about Pusha and, you know, the things that we all know, the kind of stuff that he talks about, the kind, you know, what he's bringing to the table in terms of his content, um, it's kind of it, it, it's it's like a level of gangster rap there, and I think you know Meek Mills you can kind of throw into that pot, and he's kind of emerged as kind of the you know you know him and Ross, you know him and Ross are kind of up there too in that in that echelon as well. So I mean Lawrence, what are your what are your thoughts on that in terms of like this gangster rap demographic? I mean I I I do think that Pusha T would. Uh, be able to be classified as a gangster rapper, and and it's all about. It, it's not only about what they're saying because uh, I mean J Cole still talks about what goes on in the hood, but it, it's about. I guess it's about the the glorification of those things, and, and that's kind of what gangster rap is about. It's about guys like Pusha T and Ross and, and Meek Mill who who kind of that that's the that's the main source of their content is is the goings on of the hood not necessarily about what, what how to move out of it or anything like that it's kind of just about that that hood mentality being being the dominant one so i i mean there there's always been a place for it and there always will be a place for it i definitely appreciate against the rap on on a lot of different levels i mean it it I wouldn't say I like gangster rap more than I like, I guess what people would call conscious rap as opposed to it, or some people even call it like backpack rap or whatever you want to call it. I I definitely don't prefer it over it because I I personally am more of a a progressive thinking type of guy than, than kind of just staying in the hood. I got the chopper. I got a brick. That's the formula for success. But at the same time, like I said, there's a place for it, and and and, and there's a way in which you are able to be able to appreciate it for what it is. Because I mean, from coming from certain guys, it is real, and and it's real life. So I mean, you want a guy to talk about their life, and and that's kind of what rapping is all about. It's about like a guy bringing his personality to the forefront. I mean, you you. It makes sense that some of these guys only talk about these things. Like uh, guys make a career out of stuff like this, whether it's uh, a Jeezy or the, whoever you want to talk about. They, they kind of make careers off of off of the block work and off of what they've done in their hood and in the name they built up for themselves. So I mean, I don't think that there's I don't think that it, it necessarily takes away from it by any means, but I do think that that my personal favorite is being able to blend that along with what, uh, along with a progressive attitude, along with, all right, I can give my social commentary on what I see, but at the same time, uh, uh, encourage 
all those in that current in that same situation to move forward and find a way to to not be stuck in in, in that sort of cycle if if it is detrimental to that person in in some way shape or form so that i mean that's kind of where i stand on it there's there's always a place for it there always will be a place for it and i mean it's it's some of the best rap music some of the best rap music i i would say could be considered gangster rap whether you're talking about an easy e or or Biggie even I mean but but at the same time I do think what made Biggie great was he was able to talk about coming out of that and being able to kind of make make a life for himself I mean he still especially on the early stuff we that that's a primary dosage of what Biggie's raps were about they were gangster raps they were about they were quote unquote trap raps I guess we would call it nowadays but um at the same time it's it's about it's about being able to um shed a light on the situation without necessarily glorifying it which which makes it all the more appealing for me, which is why I would gravitate toward a J. Cole more than I would a pusher. Um, yeah, well said. I, you know, I I'm remiss. I do I wanna you know, I I guess I'm kind of just driving the conversation with these questions really to try to get a sense of what people can take away from Pusha because, you know, mm-hmm. we touch on we touch on his gift as a lyricist and, you know, his you know, his opposing whatnot and it's I guess, you know, I'm think I, I threw the gangster rap demographic out there because he's certainly a part of that. But, you know, I'm remiss, I have to step back because, you know, Pusha, you know, he he's not one to you know, he's not without his Bible references. I mean his his last mixtape was called The Wrath of Cain. And, you know, not to say that that makes him, you know, some deeply religious type of rapper, because that's not really the crux of his of his work. But at the same time, you know, you do get those themes. The the, the one record against Little Wayne was, was ex, the Exodus 23-1, where he, you know, he uses references from, from you know, the story of Moses and, and other things like that. So, you know, I guess... I guess, you know, in that in that aspect, when I step back and look, you know, maybe push a, you know, maybe he represents maybe a more conscious side of gangster rap, you know, and I was going to mention, you know, it's, it really, there's a place for that, I feel like, because essentially that's kind of how, you know, that's really where rap started. Um, and, you know, Lawrence mentioned, you know, your easy E's and your biggies, and um, there's, you know, there's always a, a place for guys who are, you know, who are kind of doing stuff like that, you know, keeping it, I guess, you could call it just genuine, like, gangster rap like that. But, you know, if you look at someone like Pusha, I, you know, when you look at it from afar, I mean, when you look at kind of the, the context of his music, he, you know, he is coming from a, I guess you could say, a, a deeper standpoint there. There is more substance to that. Um, any final thoughts on, on Pusha, guys? Um, I, I, I know. I, I just, I'm just looking forward to his next project. Um, you know, I'm. I definitely feel like he 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 talks to talk and walk to walk, and um, that's that's refreshing for me. And um, you know, I'm uh, I'm just looking for him to to keep delivering the way he has, and and um, um, um <laughs> I, I just hope. And then I don't, and I don't, and I don't. I'm very confident when I say this. Um, I don't think he's going to stray away from the formula that he's used um, so far. Um, and I hope that he doesn't, because it works. 
and and he's a he's an above average rapper. He just is. So um, I'm looking for the for the same you know type of formula um, that he stuck to over the years with the clips and, and things like that on this on this record. All right, good stuff. So we'll look out for uh, J Cole and Pusha's uh, Pusha T's albums, um, both set to release this summer. J Cole's Born Center album will drop June 25th, and Pusha T's um, My Name Is My Name is coming out on July 16th. And as always, we will convene and and discuss and and critique and do what we do on uh, on the collective. Uh, we're gonna go to our last commercial now and uh, come back and wrap up with our TV and film segment. Um, This is a collective. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad's speech with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. All right, welcome back to The Collective, wrapping up week 12 of our show. Um, we have since discussed uh, the NBA playoffs, um, J. Cole and his new, his newly released EP, and we talked a little bit about Pusha T and um, pretty much kind of the demographic of, of, of rap. We talked about those two guys kind of as a template and... Um, finished up our, our, our music segment. Um, now to, to wrap up here, we've got about 15 minutes left here of our show. Um, our, our TV and film segment is loosely based on our blog, uh, televisioncinema.blogspot.com, um, where I, I choose to selectively critique um, some, some of the television shows that I watch. Uh, my my friends know that I, I watch many TV shows, probably too many, um, too many for a college student anyway. Um, but, I, you know, I get into them. I love going through seasons. I love seeing, you know, characters develop and plots unfold. And, you know, I love seeing, you know, the writing and, the, you know, the production of show. You know, I, I'm just, you know, I, I, I really love that world, which obviously led me to start the, uh, the TV and movie blog. Um, which I recently changed to what we watch, which is consistent with our music blog, what we hear, um, to, you know, kind of put more of a personal tone on it um, because, after all, I mean, I am sharing my, my thoughts and observations on stuff that I'm watching. And uh, fortunately enough, uh, the, one of the topics, I, you know, one thing I want to talk about, uh, the Americans on the FX network 
which I mentioned kind of in the beginning phases of the season uh, this year. I, I wrote a post on the blog um, about the Americans when it first got started, um, when it premiered, uh, kind of gave my thoughts on, on you know, kind of what I liked about it, what we might be able to expect from the story unfolding. Obviously, the season finale aired this past Wednesday. Um, I was successful in getting Lawrence into the show. I've been probing him to get into it because um, uh, he's a history major, and so I, I actually I kind of need him almost as a reference point to, you know, I need someone to ask questions for because, it's, you know, it's depicting such a specific time in history. And, um, you know, Lawrence has since, you know, about seven episodes in now, I'm pretty sure, and, you know, he'll finish up. But, again, the season finale aired this week. Of course, I won't, you know, spoil anything since Lawrence is into it, but um, <laughs> uh, the way the season ended certainly set up well. Um, the Americans have been renewed for a second season, um, so, you know, more to come from the show. But, uh, you know, Lawrence, I want to get your thoughts um, on your impressions on the show, what you think about the depiction <laughs> Um, and, you know, what you like about it so far. Yeah, well, like you said, uh, I just finished episode seven this morning, so I'm, so I'm just over halfway through it. I mean, I I really like, I really do like the show. I, I mean, I'm, at this point, I'm kind of hooked into it, and, and I'm like, uh, I'm invested in, in the characters and, and their progression and, and the development of everything. I mean, it, it is a really cool thing, and, it's a really important time in history. I mean, the, the Cold World or the the Cold War, rather, was um, was significant. I mean, it it, it was a Cold War. It, it did not actually lead to any combat or, or declarations of of uh, a hot war, as it will be called. But um, it it was certainly significant in in the the entire idea of espionage and in the in the whole spy web uh going on in the in the sixties and seventies was was pretty pre- prevalent and I, I think they've done a good job of depicting it and kind of I mean we don't know much about the KGB just because I mean just like Russian civilians don't know much about the CIA. I mean, heck, we don't know much about the CIA. But uh, <laughs> it, it it is cool to be able to see kind of those inner workings. I mean, you compared it to uh, Homeland early, and, and I, I failed to see that at the very beginning. But, I I mean, it, it's kind of obvious now why you would do so. And, and it, it is cool to be able to to kind of get any sort of insight into uh, any agency that works in homeland security or kind of a top secret government type of uh, thing. So uh, I, I like, I like the Americans a lot. I, I like the, uh, the general, so I mean, the, uh, it's just kind of an American, Americanized Russian couple that have been sent over and trained by the KGB to be spies and, the, and to be able to actually get information living within America. They have, American identity. They have. To, they've had two kids together, and I mean, kind of a, a lot of the plot line at, at, at the point of the season I'm in is about the uh, couple themselves, kind of trying to figure out a a a love relationship, which which they've kind of lacked throughout the first, I guess, the ten or fifteen years of their marriage that was kind of set up by the KGB. So. Um, <clears throat> And there's a lot of cool things. I mean, I, I would I would definitely recommend those of you that haven't seen it to to go uh, 
give it a watch, at least see the pilot episode, see what it what it's kind of about. I mean, they they kind of do a good job of not uh, not straying far away from from the purpose of the show, and there's definitely those shock factors and those moments where you're just like, wow, did, did that really happen? And I mean, any good show is going to have that. So that the, those are like the the major things I took away from the American that I have to take away from American stuff. Well. That's good stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I couldn't be, uh, I couldn't be more glad I got, you know, I got Lawrence into it now. Um, you know, it, those dynamics with with the characters are so are so vital um, and, and so intriguing. I mean, the fact that you're, I mean, as you said, it's centered around two Russian KGB officers that are Americanized and trained to speak perfect English and live amongst their lives as if they are Americans. And again, they have they have two children who are Russian but wouldn't know it because their parents are spies. And the the dynamic certainly um, makes things interesting in terms of how they handle their daily lives. Um, and uh, just a, you know, mini, not even a spoiler, but just, you know, kind of a hint going forward, the, the whole play on, you know, their family, how they're able to manage the family and the job um, is certainly going to come into play more um, in the future. As I said, the... Uh, the show has been renewed for a second season, um, so you know we'll we'll look forward to that. Um, the Americans is another great show that I'm watching right now. A show that I wrote about on our TV and film blog. Um, so uh, you know we'll we'll have further discussion on that. You know as we see more news about that. Um, quick disclosure: um, I've got a lot of season finales coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, you know, my co-hosts know, as I said before, the, the many shows that I watch. I mean, it's really ridiculous. And uh, this has been a trying season, um, you know, among among the few shows that I, you know, I'm invested in, Once Upon a Time, Revenge on ABC. I've got The Vampire Diaries on the CW, which is just getting heavy. I've got Nikita on the CW, just heavy. Um, there's a new series on NBC, the, uh, the Hannibal series, which – my brother and I have recently got into, which is highly disturbing, but uh, slightly entertaining. Um, I'm not sure I'd recommend it because it really, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's well put together, but um, again, I mean, take warning, it's, it's, it's fairly disturbing. In fact, my brother was just telling me last night there's a TV station in Utah that has banned the show from their networks um, because uh, it's, it's that gruesome. Um, it, I mean, it's very... It shows a lot, and again, it's based on the story of the Hannibal. So, um, you know, put that together as as, as you will. Um, another subject, you know, it's a big weekend for movies this weekend with Iron Man three coming out. Um, obviously, it's shot right up to the top um, of the box office. Um, you know, I, when a big movie comes out, I kind of just scope around and look at how people are reviewing them. What you know, writers are saying about these movies. And, uh, you know, I put it up in our Facebook group um, uh, yesterday, an article from Mark Julian of comicbookmovies.com. Um, and, again, well, these, these people at comic book, you know, the people who really take this stuff seriously are very critical of these kind of stories because they latch on to those original narratives so much that when there's something new kind of forming, they kind of just rebel against it. Um, we saw it, you know, we talked about the upcoming Ninja Turtles movie uh, on our segment a few weeks ago, kind of the same dynamic. Michael Bay is taking a lot of heat for that, for, you know, applying new things to the story and to the characters. 
Um, Mark Julian from comic book movies was not at all impressed with his new Iron Man. Um, and, and, you know, again, these people are very critical in terms of the storyline. A movie like Iron Man, you kind of know what to expect in terms of visuals, in terms of action. It's a superhero movie, you know, you, you know you're going to see great effects and that kind of stuff. It, you know, it kind of just got me thinking and, you know, looking forward to the kind of discussions we're going to have on future shows in terms of uh, different movies, comparing movies and, and what movies are doing right and what they're doing wrong. It got me thinking about sequels, um, and a, a lot of sequels have been announced recently. I just saw yesterday that they're about to shoot a Men in Black 4 for whatever reason. Um, you know, uh, and I guess, you know, Jay, you know, as we as we kind of wrap up here with our, you know, our last about, about seven or eight minutes of our show, Jay, uh, give me your thoughts. I mean, there's a lot of sequels coming out. I mean, I have a list in front of me. It's too long to read, but to name a few, I mean, you've got Jurassic Park 4 coming out. I mean, you've got, you know, the Star Wars series is is, is enduring. You know, they're doing their thing. There's a, a Finding Nemo 2. The the Hangover Part 3 is coming out uh, fairly soon, which we've talked about on this show before in terms of what, you know, what they have to go up against in terms of trying to really rejuvenate that series. So, um, Jay, what are your thoughts on, on, you know, movie sequels? Are there any that stand out to you that, that, should it be done that are ill-advised? What are your thoughts? Um, uh, it's, it's just a very, very sensitive uh, uh, topic. You know, people, they're, the only reason that there are sequels to movies is because the first one was so groundbreaking in, in, in some particular way. So sure. when when you try to replicate that or try to add to it, that, you know, obviously that becomes complicated. And, and, and you know some people have successfully done it, and some people just have not. And 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 when it does fail, you know it's kind of it's kind of damaging to the original you know plot and the original movie and the original characters and and everything to kind of get you know tainted by by a subpar you know sequel. I you know I'm I'm very much into the Iron Man series. Um, and, you know, I've heard some, you know, initial reviews. I, I'm hopefully going to go see it tonight. Um, and I've heard some initial reviews that weren't very, very favorable about about this next one. And, you know, that bothered me right away. And it kind of was just like, all right, like, should I even go see this? Because, like, I just don't – I don't want it to mess up my, my feelings, uh, you know, about the first two. So, um, you know, it's just it, – it's hit or miss. Um and, you know, like The Hangover 2, for example, it, it was okay at best. Um, but, like, you know, I know people out there that, that love The Hangover that, that haven't seen 2, and I would say, you know, if you have time to see it, go ahead. But if not, like, like you don't waste your time, basically. So um, the Ninja Turtle series, obviously, is close to my heart. You've been listening to, you know, to our shows. You know, you know I'm, I'm all about the turtles. So that's one that they can't mess up because then, you know, I'm going to get angry. But but the others, um, you know, Jurassic Park 4, obviously, uh, is, is of much importance. But it, it, has been, it has been seen. And, like, you know, you use the Star Wars uh, series. I think that's kind of perfect where, you know, they've had a blend of good ones and bad ones. But you know, diehard Star Wars fans, you know, continue to enjoy them. That's why they continue to make them. 
So, um, you know, I just, it's a sensitive subject and, and you're, there's some gray area there and, and I, I don't know if sometimes it's worth messing with. Sometimes I feel like things are good where they're at and just leave them and let them be and don't try to, don't try to do it again or add to it because you, you don't want to taint the work that's already been done. And, and that's my, that's my main theory about, you know, movie, movie sequels. Just if there's, if there's room for it and you feel like there's a good idea behind the next, behind the next movie or, or behind the next project, then go ahead and do it. But, um, the, the purpose of it has to be to add to what's already been done, um, honor right. what's already been done and not taint the, the legacy or, or, or the, you know, the, the tradition that's already been set. So it, there, it's just a fine line there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got it. I mean, it's, that's a very strong final point, I feel like, because I think when you look at movies that are that are kind of doing it right, I mean, you look at kind of the look at the X Men series in particular. You know, you've got the 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 original Wolverine story, and they've got their sequel coming out this summer, which is you know, like you said, you stay, you know, you've got to stay true to the to the story, stay true to the to the character, and stay true to you know what what makes it great. And, you know, obviously that's a Marvel series. You know, Marvel does a good job with their stuff. Um, another sequel I wanted to touch on, you know, 300 is doing their sequel. Um, I'm not sure if we've touched on that um, on this show, but 300, Rise of an Empire, is going to be the sequel. Um, apparently the story is based on um, the god Xerxes um, and kind of shooting it from his perspective, the the war and, and his trials. And so so shifting perspectives over to that side. So, you know, that's a sequel that's going down. I I know I can get Lawrence's support on this. And, you know, I'll let him I'll let him give his final thoughts. Um because I just and and again I I think Lawrence will agree with me fully. It it just makes me cringe when I see the Fast and Furious six and, you know, and G. I. Joe, you know, three and four, which, you know, The Rock has just suddenly emerged as the star on every new movie, you know, thus far. So, you know, it, it, you're not going to see these movies. Like I know Lawrence isn't going to see these movies. Like, you know, what Lawrence, what are your thoughts, like in terms of sequels? Like what you know, what are you looking for? What what needs to be done better? Three hundred two. It's just like, all right, come on, man. It was, it was, it was a actual forced. Excuse me. Is is that forced? You think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you, I mean, from a from a general standpoint, the three hundred was a story was an actual story of the Spartans in history. You know, it 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 was a it was. Obviously embellished for Hollywood, it, it was it was changed up a bit and, and made a little bit more fantastic. But that's for viewing pleasure. But how do you sequel that? Like there was like there was no second three hundred. Like there was there was a group that was considered to be the three hundred, and I mean it wasn't literally three hundred, but they they considered they called them the the three hundred Spartans. And it's just like how how do you sequel that? Uh, Fast and Furious. You got to be kidding me! Like, I mean, someone uh, Paul Walker needs to be able to find a way to get a check other than just like, all right, 
if, if everything else fails, we can just do another Fast and the Furious. Like, where is it gonna is it gonna end at ten? Like, is it gonna be the Fast Ten and that's gonna be the last one? Like, realistically, I. I I mean, I don't know. I, I can't necessarily speak to the quality of, of the latest Fast and Furious. I haven't seen any past, well, uh, Tokyo Drift. No, I saw two. I saw two, and I saw most of Tokyo Drift. I, I, I kind of lost interest in Tokyo Drift after I realized that none of the characters were going to be recurring characters. Like, none of them were, were going to necessarily be anybody. Yeah, Bow Wow was in it. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> If you you take what you can get from these types of movies, and I feel like for the true Fast and the Furious fans, they do want to see this just because they want to see more of it. They don't want it to be over. It's almost like your favorite show going off of the air. But but I feel like these these writers and these producers need to find a uh, a breaking point to where they can kind of just let it go and and let it live on. I thought Three Hundred was really good. I mean, some people will agree with me, and some people will strongly disagree with me. But I don't think that they're going to necessarily be able to duplicate that. So why even try? So don't don't butcher it. We're all we're no all exactly. Stop butchering. Exactly. Stop butchering these Stop movies. It. Stop butchering Stop people. It. Yeah, and so, and and, and it just shows. I just feel like it just shows a lack of creativity. Like, why not create a new like uh, a new concept and a or a new movie? Like, you know, it's just like I don't want to put in the work, or I'm not creative enough to you know make up something new. I'm just gonna keep building on what I've already done, and that and that's not groundbreaking, and that's not that's not necessarily you know the route to go all the time. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Strong points all around there. Um, uh, you know, with the movie conversation, uh, ag- again, the kind of recurring theme, stop butchering these movies. Uh, message to Hollywood from the collective, stop butchering these sequels. Uh, you're not getting any money from us on them. Uh, you're getting money elsewhere, but but uh, but it's, it's, it's really a travesty, especially for someone, you know, I, I I take pride in my you know my TV and movie watching you know and you know the whole experience of you know going to the movies and seeing a great movie it's just becoming more scarce and more rare and I think that's what opens the avenue to ignorant people like me that that want to you know watch shows and watch movies and just just pick at them and criticize them all day long because you know it, it's such it's such a broad culture and it's such an important aspect you know of our culture just you know. Hollywood in general, it's it's such a big part of our culture. And, and ultimately, as I say all the time, when it comes to music, entertainment, whatever it may be, we are the consumers. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's what I stick to. And as long as I'm the consumer, I'm going to look at it, at it the way I see fit. And, um, you know, again, that's, that's a conversation that, you know, we'll continue to have, but definitely in, in different areas and different subjects. Um, so let's wind down here. We're coming down to our last 60 seconds. Um, let's let's wrap up for the collective for week 12. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you to Blog Talk Radio and our network, The Keys 107. Um, really quick, let's just do like rapid-fire reactions. Uh, the Kanye West tweet, June 18th, what's it going to be, guys? Album date, wedding, baby, what's it going to be? Hopefully an album, because I don't care when that baby's born realistically. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, it needs to be. So, I, I hope it's something about music. I mean, if it's if it's something relating to Kim, whether it's a baby or a marriage, that's that's fine. But keep that to yourself. I mean, if you want to, if you want everything to be private, like like most celebrities do, then you don't do that. If if you're gonna tweet it, it better be some music. Well said. Nothing, nothing more to say. That's the collective wrapping up for week twelve. I mean. <laughs> 